Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Fantastic. What amazing worship. Can we give it up for the worship team this morning? That's incredible. Such a great presence of God. Hey, as you grab your seats, would you high-five the person beside you? Just say, I'm so glad to be sitting beside you this morning. Would you do that? And the other side as well. Don't forget them. You got someone on the other side as well. It's good. It's good to be in church together. Great to be here. Man, love your church. Fantastic. You guys have got a great church. You know that? This is amazing. First time here, but I uh, already feel so at home, isn't it? I love it how you can come into church and you can just feel at home. And uh, it just it feels like that here today. And um, for me, it's my first trip to Canberra uh, since year seven. The old famous year seven trip. That's right. That's, I was asked that a couple of times. Yes, I was there. Yeah, yes. So I've done Parish of Smiggins for about a day on a toboggan and uh, seen a couple of the sites when I was 12 years old. But so it's good to be back. Good to be back here in the nation's capital where it all happens and to be here with you this morning. And I'd love to give a big shout out because I have so much love and respect for your pastors, Pastor Steve and Deb White. I think they're amazing people. Could you please give it up? They are, tell you what, through our movement, they are truly the most loved and respected people, I think, through our movement. It's like for Steve and Deb, everyone loves Steve and Deb White. I don't have that, I don't have that going on in my world. I mean, if I, everyone just loves Steve and Deb, and they've just got such a, such a heart for the church, such a heart for God, and uh, just a, such a sense of the, being such a spiritual mum and dad uh, to so many people. And I just uh, want to honour them and, and celebrate them this morning and their family, which is all through our movement and beyond, uh, having a great, great impact for God. So let's give it up one more time. We're Pastor Steve and Deb. You guys are champions. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, well, I can get your keys up later on, but uh, you've done a great job. Thank you, buddy. You've been awesome. And uh, it's good to be here from the land of Bris Vegas, as we like to call it. So greetings from, from Bris Vegas, and uh, good to be here. And uh, I'm... Uh, I'm a rugby union supporter. I don't know if there's anyone here who follows the Brumbies. Anyone here follow the Brumbies? You go, hey, isn't that good? I follow a team called the Queensland Reds. Back in Queensland, not many people have heard about them because they don't win very often. And, uh, but I, I was cheering for the Queensland Brumbies. Uh, sorry, the Queensland Brumbies. I'll call them the Queensland Brumbies. Why don't I do that? I was cheering for the ACT Brumbies last, what, uh, last night because we do have something in common. It's called a common foe. It's called the New South Wales Waratahs. And you got up and you won. Isn't that good? And uh, we... Uh, Back in Queensland, you got to understand, it's a thing. We just like beating New South Wales, you know. You can have a terrible season, but if you beat New South Wales, it's been a good year. And so uh, it's good. It's very good. So good to be here. And so thank you so much that I get to come down here and you put on this festival for me. Isn't it incredible? Thank you so much. What a, what a blessing it's been. I come here last night. I arrive off a plane. You guys are putting fireworks on. I thought the hospitality of C3 Monash is just out of this world. Fair income. It's like, I can't, oh my goodness. I'm like... Like it is, the hospitality is incredible. You did, it, was, it was almost outside my window last night. That was sensational. But uh, it's great to be here, and it is. It's so much fun, and uh, we, love, we love church. We love having fun in church as well. Hey, um, this morning, I want to speak to you this morning on Enlighten, but uh, on the theme of Enlighten. But I want to talk to you specifically about knowing and growing. Knowing and growing. Turn to your neighbor and say, knowing and growing. Knowing and growing. So I want to read to you a passage of Scripture, which I saw came up. This morning, and it's from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. And we read a couple of verses, verses 17 to 19. And it says this It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 
I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and the incomparably great power for us who believe. Who believe. I love that. It says here that he prays that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. In another translation, it says, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be flooded with light. Flooded with light. And I love that. And I was thinking about, in my own journey, I, uh, I first came to church. I was sharing a little bit before. I first came to, to church. I came to the church that I now pastor in. But I first came to church as a 17-year-old. And uh, when I first came to church, it was quite an experience for me because I remember I came as a 17-year-old, but I'd been invited uh, by one of my mates growing up. His, his name was Nick, and we'd been very close for a, good mates for a long, long period of time. And uh, he started inviting me to church. He had had quite a, a radical conversion to faith. And then so over a period of about two months, every time I would see my friend Nick, he would invite me to church. He would do two things. He would tell me about Jesus, and he would invite me to church. And every time that he would invite me to church, I would say, no, thank you. And uh, he asked me, not once, but I reckon Nick probably asked me around about 25 times over the period of those two months, would I come to church with him? And how many of you know that it's good to have a friend like that who won't take no for an answer? And Nick was like that. He would not take no for an answer. And so, in fact, I made a deal with Nick one day. I got so over all the talk about Jesus and church and everything else. And I said to him, Nick, if I come to church with you one time, you have to make me a promise that you'll never mention anything about Jesus or church again. And he said, deal. And so I came to church. And as I was sharing before, I came to church not in a beautiful, amazing facility like this one. At the time when I came to church, it was a demountable classroom building in the front of a caravan park and uh, in a place called Aspley. And uh, I was looking for, a, I was looking for a, a, a stained glass windows or a cross, and I couldn't see any of that sort of stuff. And I came into church for the first time. And I remember that as I came into the church and through the doors of this demountable classroom building, I f- my first thought was I didn't even realize that a church like this had even existed. I came, I'd come from a Catholic school upbringing. We had been to church occasionally or a, a service at Christmas and Easter, that's about it. And so when I came through the doors of the church of this classroom building in 1993, I remember that every preconception really that I had about church changed very, very quickly. And I came in, one of the biggest things I remember that as I came into that church was I just couldn't believe that in church there would be so much life and so much joy and so much fun. That, they were not three words that I'd ever equated with church before, life, joy and fun. And just, it just the place was filled with it. And as I was in this service and just through the worship and then when someone stood up there, his name was Pastor Gordon, he began to preach. I remember for the first time in my life, truly for the first time in my life, I actually experienced God's love. And I was in this place and I could experience something which I'd later become to know as God's presence. And so when I was in, in church, I, I, I felt God's love and I felt God's presence. And, and at the end of that service, uh, there was an invitation to say yes to Jesus. And I just, my hand just shot up. I went, whatever, whatever you have, God, whatever this is, I, I want more of that. Not really knowing what that decision was all about. But I was like, that's, that's where I want to be. Because I'd experienced God's love and I'd experienced God's presence. And it changed my life. That one decision would be the decision that I think has done more to change the outcome and the destination of my life than anything else than saying yes to Jesus there. And they didn't just finish it in that service. Remember, after the service finished, I met all these people after church who were so genuine 
you know, in their love and so genuine in their friendship. And they were inviting me to lunch and they were inviting me to this thing called Connect Group. I didn't even know what that was about. And they were, they, they, they were just, they, they were wanting to become friends. And I was like, this is incredible. And I've thought about it since then. I thought, you know, an invitation brought me to church, but actually relationships kept me coming back. And I just kept coming back, you know, week after week and month after month. And God began this work in my heart. And he began to transform me and change me from the inside out in a way that I couldn't possibly have ever comprehended before. And I, I remember that my life began to change pretty radically, pretty quickly. In fact, I started from, from being someone who never went to church, I was suddenly going to church all the time. In fact, the, the mates I had in school, I was at the first year of university, my mates who I was with school, I was still mates with, they thought I joined a cult. And, and looking back on it, I can see why. From being a guy who went to the pub with them two or three times a week to now I'm sort of wanting to go to church two or three times a week, I can see how that pretty radical and quick change in my life could cause them to think that. But here's the deal. I wasn't now wanting to go to church because I discovered religion. I wasn't now wanting to go to church because I felt like it was a good or moral thing to do. I was wanting now to go to church because this was where the place where I had discovered the pure and true love of God and that love and that grace had transformed and changed my heart. And I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there as often as I could because I'd experienced something and I'd encountered something there. And I remember there was a distinct feeling from the first few weeks I started to attend church. I couldn't put my finger on it, but the feeling I kept walking away with was this, that it feels like home. I don't know what it is about church, but it felt like home to me. It felt like a place that I belonged. It felt like a place that God wanted me to, to, to put, put my, my roots down, to put my life into. And I remember that. And that's why even today, and that's for me why I'm so passionate about building the church. And I know why Pastor Steve and Deb and many others here today are so passionate about building the church. Because a church is way more than just a building. The church is about creating a space so that people like me, who feel like they're far away from God, for people who are searching for answers, for people who are looking for truth, for people who are looking for purpose in life, for people who, who aren't satisfied with religious traditions or a religious experience of life, can walk into a place like this and they can experience the power and reality of God's love. It's so that church is about creating a space so that people can come and find the God who created them, who loved them, and who also died for them as well. So that people who could come into a church like this could discover relationship with God and their life would be transformed. In the book of Ephesians, that scripture we just read before, that scripture is all about this moment. It's about a scripture which describes how God transforms us. You see, God transforms us from the inside out. That's how God works. What religion does is a counterfeit. It tries to work the other way. It tries to transform us from the outside in. But behavior modification, how many of you know, never produces anything close to godliness in our life. It only ends in frustration and disappointment and a feeling of being unworthy. But God doesn't work that way. God doesn't try to, try to modify our behavior. He, first of all, transforms our heart. And it's from the transformation of our heart that our life begins to change. Our, our future begins to change. In the scripture here, he's talking about us here knowing and growing in God. And, and in this scripture, it's so powerful because it begins to describe for us not only how we can know God, 
but how through the rest of our days that we can grow in Him. It says here in the Scripture, it says that if we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and, it's, and I love it, later on it describes what revelation means. It says that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You see, God changes us, first of all, by revelation. The Bible here in the book of Ephesians is saying, how does God change us? How does God then transform us? He does it by this thing called revelation. And the picture it gives us here is it says that God will flood our heart with light. He will begin to show us things. In other words, what the Bible's saying here is God loves to show us things. He begins to speak to us. He begins to reveal things to us. And as we respond to what God reveals, we're transformed. As you and I respond to those things that God begins to show us and reveal to us, what happens is that you and I begin to not only know God better, the Scripture says, but we begin to grow up in Him. And so this morning, I want to share with you in the time we have, I want to give you a couple of what I believe are some of the most important revelations. When I look back on my last 25 years of my journey of following Christ, I want to share with you a couple of what I believe are the most important revelations that I think God wants to show each of us in our lives that I believe are the things that can help us both know God better and also grow in Him. Are you ready this morning? Here's the first one. I'm going to make it really easy this morning. All these words start with the letter P. Here's the first one this morning. The first word, the first revelation we need to get is people. I believe that God leads us always to a revelation of our togetherness, our togetherness. I love what Pastor Deb was sharing on this this morning when she was landing the worship. The revelation of our togetherness in Christ. You know, from the very beginning, God had this in mind for us. The Bible says we go right back to the book of Genesis and we find God creates Adam. God creates Adam. God creates Adam, the Bible says, in his image and likeness. He breathes into him. He puts his spirit in him. But then this fascinating thing begins to happen. Is as Adam here is fully formed and begins to walk with God, God makes this declaration about Adam. And he says this. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. Fascinating observation that God would make. He'd say, I've created Adam in my likeness and my image, but it's not good for Adam to be alone. But here's the thing, church. Adam wasn't alone. Adam had God. The Bible says that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. Why would God say to Adam, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone, yet Adam had God? Because God knew that Adam needed more than just him. Adam needed relationships and community. God was saying, Adam, I did not create you to do life alone. You are not designed to do life alone. You are not designed to do life in isolation. What God was saying wasn't just to Adam. He was actually saying it about all of us. He was saying we were meant, we were hardwired by God for relationships with one another. He has made you and I for connection, for relationships and community because he knows that you and I, we are better together and we are stronger together. And the greatest danger that we will face in life is the dangers of getting isolated and alone. And so God began to speak that over Adam, but I believe actually it was the very heartbeat of what the church was all about. It was the answer to man's greatest need in his heart, and that was the need for relationships and community, relationship with God and relationship with one another. You see, life together is God's best plan for you and I, not life alone. I was reading a story uh, not so long ago about the Invictus Games. How many of you heard about the Invictus Games before? It was held in Australia last year. The Invictus Games is a games that were initially formed 
uh, to uh, uh, help athletes or help people who have been in wars, and many of them have suffered is because of those wars, uh, to be involved in, 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 in sport again, competitive sport. This story was about the Invictus Games. It was held in Sydney last year. And the story was about a particular game of doubles tennis that happened during the Invictus Games. Representing Great Britain was a guy by the name of Paul Guest. Now, Paul Guest is 54 years old and he'd served in the English Armed Forces before he was injured on active duty. What had happened was that he was choppered, helicoptered out um, of the place where he was injured, but he had suffered very bad neck and spine injuries and was confined to a wheelchair. After this happened, he was discharged uh, from the military. He was later diagnosed with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. His post-traumatic stress disorder got so bad, through the years, he attempted suicide four times. He said in this newspaper article that he decided to compete in the Invictus Games as a way to get support from other people. The news story said that when this particular game of doubles tennis was happening, Paul was serving from his wheelchair. As he began to serve, a media helicopter at the same time began to fly overhead. As this media helicopter came over his head, flashbacks began to, began to hit uh, Paul's mind. And what happened, he became so overcome with emotion that he began to cry right where he was. He couldn't serve any longer. Right there, there's Paul Guest on this service line, overwhelmed with emotion. And his teammate was there. His teammate was named was Eddie. Eddie said in this newspaper article, he said, I looked over to my friend and I knew I needed to do something. Eddie ran over to his teammate who was suffering. Eddie said, I took him by the face and I said to him, I said, Paul, I want you to look at me. He said, and Paul looked at him and he said, we're going to let it go. He says, no, I mean it. We're going to let it go. Right there and then, at that moment, Paul said, Eddie, we're going to sing the Frozen song, Let It Go. <laughs> and right there, surrounded by a stadium of people watching, Paul and, Addie, Paul and Eddie sang the song from Frozen, Let It Go, at the top of their lungs. Paul would later say, that was the moment I literally let it all go as I sung that song. The audience were mostly in tears at that moment, and they started to sing along with them. Paul eventually recovered about five minutes later, he was able to play out the game and they even won the match. Eddie would later say this. He said, these guys at Invictus have become my band of brothers. I finally feel like I'm part of a team again. I feel like I belong. I love that story because it reminds me, I believe, of such a powerful truth. We need each other. Church, we need each other in life. We need each other for strength. We need each other for support. We need each other for encouragement. We need each other for care. We need each other in life. And I know this, the great leveler of the Christian life is this. Sometimes in life, you feel like Paul and you're walking through that valley and you're walking through difficult times and God wants to put people who are going to move towards you and help you through that time. And sometimes you're ready and you're the God's person on that spot and you're there to bring strength and comfort and encouragement to another person. I love in that story how probably Eddie didn't know what to do when he saw his friend who was suffering. But I love the decision that he made. He made that decision in the moment that he was going to move towards him. And I believe that's exactly the heart of God for each and every one of us. 
that maybe in life sometimes we don't know exactly what to do. But I believe if we have a heart's attitude that we are called by God to move towards each other, that we move towards each other because God actually uses people as his vessels of strength and love and care and kindness towards each other. And I believe this, my revelation, if I'd say it this way, there is no journey towards God that does not bring us closer to each other. After we get a revelation of Christ, I believe God will lead all of us on a revelation of our togetherness. That after we find Christ, God wants us to find each other. And I tell you what, that's the power of the church. That's the power of what we have here this morning. God wants you and I connected in community. God does not want any person isolated or alone. He wants us connected together in relationships because he knows we're better together. He knows that we're stronger together. I've got a picture I want to show you. I love to, I've got a picture of a, it's a redwood tree. I'm going to put it up on the screen right now. We can see it there. Right down the bottom, if you can see that, but there's a little person down the bottom right there. I want to tell you a little bit about redwood trees that I've learned about. This is from the Reader's Digest, people, from the Reader's Digest. I like the Reader's Digest. I can get a lot of things in very, very quick time. Fascinating. Do you know the redwood trees are actually, they're the tallest trees in the world. Tallest trees in the world. They're actually found near a place called Yosemite Park in California. Many of you have probably been there before in your life. It's on my bucket list to go to. You know, they discovered the, uh, the tallest redwood tree recently, the tallest tree in the world, over 125 meters tall in height. Do you know the typical redwood tree would live between 500 to 700 years old? But the oldest redwood tree is more than 2,000 years old. Redwood trees are called affectionately the whales of the tree world. And what the most fascinating thing, though, I learned from this Reader's Digest article about a redwood tree is this. A redwood tree never grows alone. A redwood tree will only grow in a cluster. They never grow alone. In fact, they can't grow alone. What I thought was fascinating about that, isn't it incredible that the strongest, healthiest, and I would say probably the most majestic trees in all the world, they can only grow when they're together. What was fascinating about the redwood tree is they said this, the roots of a redwood tree, they don't just grow down, they actually grow out. The strength is not just found because their roots go down. Their strength is actually found because their roots travel out. In fact, the way they described it was the roots of the redwood tree, they wrap around one another. The redwoods live together in clusters and their roots actually interlock with one another. And it's those interlocking roots that allow the redwoods to grow with such height and such strength. So here's the deal. If a redwood tree is isolated or tries to grow alone, guess what happened? It's so tall and so heavy that any gust of wind would just topple it over. But when a redwood grows in clusters, when the storms come and when the fierce wind blows, these trees actually hold each other together. Another fascinating thing was this, these redwood trees, not only do their roots interlock to one, with one another for strength, but redwood trees actually pass nutrients through the roots to one another. So that when there's a redwood tree in that cluster that's weak or sick, the trees that are around are strong are able to pass nutrients until that tree gets back to its health again. Oh, that's incredible. I reckon God's put a bit of evidence here in the redwood tree for how he wants you and I to live. God has not created not only the redwood tree to live in isolation, God has not created you and I to live in isolation. We were created to grow together. 
You and I, I believe this, if we're to grow to our full potential, our God-given potential, if we're going to tap into the strength that God wants to put into our lives, it's going to be because we've embraced togetherness. It's going to be because we've understood that actually God puts people in our life. And as we begin to interlock our lives together, as we begin to, to bring community and relationship around our life, we'll find a strength and health that will not only just see us survive the storms of life, but thrive and prosper through them. And that's exactly what God wants for your life as well. He doesn't want you just to survive through the storms. He wants you to grow stronger through them. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9 says this, Two are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one warm person be alone? A person standing alone can be defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. I love that scripture. This is all I believe about what happens when you and I do life together. The Bible says here, if we do life together, we'll pick each other up. If we do life together, we're going to help each other succeed. And I love what it says. If we'll do life together, it says we'll be like standing back to back and we will not be defeated, but we will conquer in life. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a great, great clap this morning. He's awesome. Standing together. What a great picture of the church. We're called to stand together. First revelation, I believe, is this. It's a revelation about people. It's a revelation about togetherness. Here's the second one this morning. The second word I want to give you and how we grow in God, knowing and growing, is through purpose. Through purpose. God wants us to give us a revelation of our calling. He wants to give us a revelation of our togetherness. And God wants you and I to have a personal revelation of our calling in God. 1 Peter 4.10 says it this way, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. I love what it says. It's so simple. The Bible says God has given you and I gifts and those gifts are to be attached to his purpose. And that purpose that God has is always about serving others. So God has not missed any single person. Every single person in this room this morning, God has put gifts inside you before you were even born. And he says, those gifts that I put inside you, I want you to discover those giftings and I want you to attach them to my purpose. And when you attach them to my purpose, then you'll find yourself in a place where you're serving and helping other people. Isn't that awesome? You know, I remember when I was uh, started in my first few years of going to church and I was drifting. I, I, I was drifting. Uh, I was, I, I think through the first two or three years um, of leaving high school, I started two different university degrees. Notice I said started. I started, then I dropped out of two different university degrees. I reckon I, re I had about six different jobs through that time. I could tell you all the different types of jobs that I had through that time, and uh, including working on dairy farms, all, all kinds of things. I was just, and I was thinking to myself, and I was getting a bit of pressure from home, like, what are you doing? You're now like 20 years old. What, what, what's, what's, what things look like in the future? And I remember thinking, oh, man. But what, when I look back on it now, I realize I was searching. You see, I wasn't just searching for a job. And I actually, I wasn't even just searching for a career. I was actually really searching for a calling. I just had, once I became a Christian, I just had this innate sense that God had called me to something. That, that he had a purpose for my life. And that I needed to somehow discover that. And, and I remember just going just through that journey. And what is this all about? But you know, it's interesting at the same time as I'm in church and I'm trying all these things out, not getting anywhere and trying to find that for myself. And then someone one day in church, after church, came and kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, Andrew. I said, yeah. He said, um, 
we would love for you to come and join and be part of our kids' ministry team. And I was like, this is awesome. Someone's seen my potential finally around this place. <laughs> really? I know later on they were like, yeah, I think this guy's probably young enough and naive enough to say yes right now to the kids' ministry calling. And so I did. And so glamorously the next week I was in there in kids' ministry and they gave me the, I think it was the great ones and twos to look after through that time. And uh, this will show my age a little bit, but I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, Kindergarten Cop with Arnie Schwarzenegger. Do you remember that moment when Arnie just kind of has a freak out uh, and he just, yep. Well, I reckon after about two weeks, I'm like, well, I'm doing that. I'm like, this is chaos. This is crazy. Oh, this, what am I doing? But I just stayed in it. Stayed with it. I was like, oh, I won't tap out yet. I've only been to two weeks. And I just found over the weeks and weeks turned into a few months and I'm serving in there with these young kids. And it was just layer by layer, bit by bit, slowly this, this real love for working with kids and this real love for working with young people started to form. Meanwhile, I'm, you know, outside and I'm doing this career job and I'm changing this job. And slowly this kind of love, I, really, I, love, I just really enjoyed it. I, and then they'd give me opportunities to kind of share some things with the kids. And, and I found these gifts I never knew existed, that's for sure, begin to sort of come out of my life. And people go, wow, you do this really well. And I'm like, really? And then, and then from there, I'm like, I, I, don't, I, this is, I feel this is a call. I, I, I want to work with kids. I want to work with young people. I love it. And then I ended up um, starting my teaching degree in primary school education. And I began to do that. And, and from there, actually, you know, my, the next 15 years of my life became teaching in schools and then working with kids and young people in our church and, and such a joy, such a sense of fulfillment. And I found that calling through what I was doing in church and then that spilled over to what I was doing in work. And, and you know, one of the really cool things was in the first yeah, kids uh, church kind of group I had was a, a young girl in there. She was grade one. Her name was Deb. And, uh, and so she was there, cool little kid. And uh, she, she was in church through that time. And then in grade six, it was a little bit later on, there was a, I began teaching a grade six class a few years later on. And there was another young fella in there. His name was Mark in that grade. I got to know Mark pretty well. And I got to know his family. I eventually invited Mark, who was in my, my class then, my, my school class. I invited him to church. He started coming to church. And then, and then he never left. And then I spent the next 10, 15 years in both in kids and then working in youth. Deb and Mark grew up all the way through it. Do you know, in 2015, I had one of the greatest moments, uh, in, I think, in kind of my like, life almost. One of the just really cool moments. I stood there as the celebrant, as Deb and Mark got married at that moment. And uh, as I stood there, I was, just, I was overwhelmed. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like a really overly emotional guy. I was, I was like, oh my goodness, God. You know, to see, to see that, to be a part of these guys' journey all the way through. And uh, funny thing about that, I'll tell you another part, Mark. I ended up marrying Mark's sister. Her, name is, her name's Wendy. That's my wife. So uh, that's the church world, right? It's just it's pretty connected and, uh, in a lot of ways. But it's pretty funny. But I thought, man, isn't it amazing how the doors of destiny can swing on very small hinges sometimes? Very small decisions. You may think this saying yes to something that you serve in around church is insignificant. or it's a, But it's amazing, I find. Just as we step through that, how easily that through these steps of obedience with God and just stepping out to serve and help someone else, that we can find that sense of purpose and calling. Purpose. God will give us a revelation. I believe God wants to give every single one of us a revelation of the call that he has for our life. God has a call for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And here's the third one. I'm going to finish on this. The third word I want to give you is promises. You see, God wants us to have a revelation of people. God wants us to have a revelation of our purpose. And God wants us to have a revelation of promises. You know what that is all about? It's all about a revelation of God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness to us. You know, I believe this. 
To grow in God, it means we've got to make a decision that we're going to take a firm grip on the promises of God. Do you know the Bible? It's way more than just a book about God. It's actually a book of His promises to you. It's a book filled with His promises towards you. And the Bible says that God is faithful to those promises. But I find this in life. There is always a tension in life. We live in the tension between two things. We live in the tension between our facts and the truth. We live in that tension. We live in the tension between the truth of God's word and the facts of our circumstances. Growing in God means this. I choose to believe the truth of God's promises over the facts of my circumstances. In Romans 4.18, it says this, For Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. In other words, what it's saying here is saying that there was no natural reason for Abraham to have hope at all. No natural reason that he would have to hope that he would become a father. No natural reason for him to hope whatsoever that he'd become a father of many nations. But the Bible says Abraham did something. It says he chose to hope in faith. In other words, he said this, I'm going to trust the promise of God over the facts of my circumstances. I'm, I love it. It says in Romans 4.19, without weakening in his faith, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. I love how it says here, the first thing Abraham did, Abraham faced the facts. Listen, to hold on to God's promises is not to deny the facts. It's not going, oh, I'm not sick or everything's wonderful right now or there's, there's no lack in my life. It's, it's not to deny reality. There's a movie uh, with Monty Python. I don't know if you've got any Monty Python fans, but there's a little Monty Python scene that reminds me of about just facing the facts, and it's these knights that are fighting. And uh, as they're fighting, that one knight begins to, it, this is quite funny, but it doesn't sound funny if you haven't seen the movie, chops off this other knight's limb by limb, arm by arm. As, as this other knight is losing this particular battle, he is most totally denying reality through that time. He keeps saying, it's just a flesh wound. It's just a flesh wound, even though he's losing. He's denying reality. The Bible says that's not what Abraham did. He didn't deny reality. He actually faced the facts of his situation. He faced the facts. He says, I realize it's not naturally possible for my wife Sarah to fall pregnant. I realize that I'm too old and she's too old. He faced the facts, but listen, that's not where he stopped. Listen to what it says, the next two verses. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith. He gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. I love it. It says Abraham faced the facts of his circumstances, but he chose to believe that God's promise would prevail. And I love that. That's, what does that mean in my life? It means this. He's saying, I know this situation might seem impossible. I know that it doesn't seem like there's a way forward. I know that it doesn't seem like there's an answer right now. But I'm convinced that God has the power to do what he promised. And I believe this, to be a person who hopes in faith is simply that. It's I've made a decision that even though that I'm facing the facts in my life, I am going to elevate the truth of God's word every single time over my facts. And I'm going to position myself there. And I love that. I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you're facing some situations in your life where the facts don't look that great. Maybe you're facing some circumstances in your world right now and it seems like the facts are saying one thing. Can I encourage you this morning? Hold on to God's promises. Hold on to God's word. The Bible says he's faithful to his promises. Abraham got a promise and for over 20 years he had to hold on to that. And every day probably he had to make the decision that I'm going to elevate the promise of God for my life 
over the facts of my circumstances. And Abraham discovered God's faithfulness, and so will you as you do that this morning. Come on, let's give God a great, great hand this morning. He's awesome. Right now, wherever you are, I want to grab the musos up. Would you just close your eyes wherever you are here this morning? I love that. You know, I believe that God wants all of us to, to be in a place in our life where we would know Him and we would continue to grow in Him every single day. To know Him and to grow in Him, I believe is the greatest calling of our life. And I love it. The Bible says that it's revelation. It's revelation that helps us to know Him. And it's revelation that helps us to continue to grow in Him. You know, in the book of Revelation... It says this, Revelations 3.20. It speaks about this revelation moment that I believe God wants every single human being to have. No matter where we're at on our spiritual journey, no matter where we're at with God. Some people here this morning, maybe you feel like you're distant from God. Can I tell you this morning, you are not distant from God. That is a lie. The Bible says this about your distance from God. This is Jesus speaking in Revelations 3.20. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. He's speaking at the door of your heart. God is not far away at all. God is standing right at the door of your heart, even now. The Bible says, I stand. Jesus says, I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. He said, why would God have to knock? Because He wants us to invite Him in. He wants us to open the door of our heart to Him. He says, if you will do two things, if you, he says, if you will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. You see, that's where God wants to bring every one of us into a relationship with Him, a friendship with Him. But He needs you and I to make a decision. He needs you and I to make a step. We need to say that, God, I hear your voice. Maybe this morning there's a sense in your heart. It's not an audible voice, I find, but I find that it's in my heart. I've I feel, I sense God. I hear Him knocking. He says, if you will hear that knocking, and then you will just simply open the door to invite me in. He says, I will come into your life. I will change you. I will transform you from the inside out. I'll show you my love. I'll show you my goodness. If that's you here this morning, it'd be a privilege to include you on a prayer here this morning. And you and I, as we make that decision to say yes to Jesus, maybe we've never done that before, or maybe we're here today and we know that we've drifted away. This morning's your morning. Why don't you come back to Him today? And I'd love to pray with you this morning. Just where every eye is closed across this place and every head is bowed. If that's you and you're just saying, yeah, I want to say yes to Jesus this morning. Just very quickly, would you slip your hand up just so I can see it and then you can put it down. Who is that that's here this morning? Thank you over there. I can see your hand. Who else is here this morning? Thank you, honey. I can see your hand over there. Who else is here this morning? Maybe you're coming back to Him today. Or maybe you're inviting Him into your life for the first time. If that's you. Just say yes to Him. It'll be the greatest decision you ever make. Is there anyone else here this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you this morning that you, God, you call each and every one of us, God, into relationship with you. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your goodness. And Father, today, Lord, let your love be poured out in every single heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you open your eyes this morning? Hey, church, what I'd love you to do, would you just stand up to your feet right now all across this place? And uh, we had, you know, we had, we had one, one young lady who just said yes to Jesus this morning. And you know what the Bible tells me? It tells me within one person says yes to Jesus, heaven chucks a party. 
And I reckon if heaven throws a party, earth should throw a party as well. Amen. So come on, let's celebrate this morning. Come on, that's awesome. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. And uh, what I'd love to do right now, we're going to say a prayer, but we're going to say this prayer together. And what I'd love you to do right now, would you close your eyes wherever you are this morning? And let's pray this prayer together. Say this, Lord Jesus, this morning, I open the door of my heart to you. And I invite you in as my Savior and my Lord. I ask you to forgive me and wash me clean of all of my sin. I promise today to love you and to serve you all the days of my life in the fellowship of your church. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. And all God's people said... Come on, let's give the Lord a great, great clap this morning. It's wonderful. To the, if you raised your hand this morning, we, we have a team this morning who'll, who'll, who'll come and, and we'll meet with you afterwards. I'd love to, to meet with you this morning as well and just say hi. And we'd love to give you a Bible and just show you some of those steps on following Christ this morning. Um, can I have one minute and then hand back Pastor Steve just to pray over the church? Is that okay? Hey, here this morning. Hey, if you're here just right now, just keep your eyes closed in this moment. And I just, I felt this morning coming in that uh, there was some people here this morning and uh, you're, facing, you're facing an impossible situation right now. Maybe it's in the area of you need healing today. And I, the reason it seems impossible is because you've gone to see some doctors and you've had some reports and they, they, they have not known what to do. Nothing has changed. Well, maybe you're here this morning and there's a financial circumstance in your life and and it looks like, man, this is uphill. I, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to walk through this this morning. Or maybe it's in a relationship in your life right now. And you just feel like, man, I don't, I don't know how to reconcile. I don't, know how to, I don't know what to do here. But you're going, this morning, you're saying, I'm, 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 I want to do this morning what it says Abraham did when he faced the impossible. That he faced the facts, but he didn't live there. He said, God... I'm going to elevate you and your promise right now over that situation. If that's you here this morning, just with every eyes closed, would you just lift your hands up towards heaven right now, all across this place? If that's you, you're saying, I'm facing an impossible situation this morning, whatever that may be, whether that's in, you need healing, you need provision, it's in a relationship, whatever that is this morning right now, we're going to begin to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, I'm reminded it says in your word, God, you asked that question. You said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too difficult for me? Lord God, we declare this morning, God, over every person this morning, God, we declare, God, nothing is too hard for you, God. God, nothing is impossible for you, God. Nothing is too difficult for you. Lord God, I pray this morning in the name of Jesus right now. Oh God, I pray, God, let healing come into people's lives. Lord God, we thank you, God, today. Lord, it says by your stripes, Lord God, we are healed. And Lord, right now, God, we push back, God, against every sickness. God, in Jesus' name. And Lord God, I pray right now, let healing and wholeness flow, God, into people's lives. God, I thank you today. God, for your provision and your supply. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, let miraculous provision flow into people's lives in your name. And God, I thank you this morning. You're the God who restores and you're the God who heals. And Lord, I pray, let relationships be restored. Let marriages be restored in Jesus' mighty and wonderful. 
Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.